my name is Wayne Spirit. I'm here on the Nokia Chronicles Australia edition with, uh, oh my goodness, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the most embarrassing thing, the most embarrassing uh, thing, it was Adrian that slipped my mind. I'm sorry, Adrian. <laughs> it's okay. We've only known each other for 15 years, but that's okay. Exactly. Okay, let's go again. (laughs) No, keep it in, Adrian. I reckon that's awesome. No, leave it in. I don't know. If if he wants to do it again, we can do it again. It's up to you, Wayne. What do you want to do? No, you go. You go. (laughs) On with the questions, then. Okay. On with the questions. Well, that's probably the the most entertaining intro we've ever had, Adrian. We have. Yeah, it is. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Even I'm stumbling over my words. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll uh, get the show on the road then. So I've got a two-part question for you, Wayne. So you're part of the uh, old Nokia support discussions for a long time as community manager. One, why did you think it became so big? And two, why isn't there anything like it today? Uh, Well, I think that it became big because I think we were one of the – Effectively, Nokia was one of the pioneers um, of that kind of community. It was one of the first ones. And uh, I think with uh, Yuhis Haken in, in charge, he took it incredibly seriously. And he had a lot of battles with uh, internally within Nokia to have it taken seriously, even internally. Um, but he really uh, wanted that online community to be a, a global source of support, and that's exactly what he built. Uh, I think the main reason there isn't anything like it today is that we have social media. So uh, even towards the end of the time that I was there, which was 2014, uh, people were moving away from forums uh, or and more into whichever f- version of social media they preferred facebook twitter etc so um discussion forums had started as a nerdy geeky thing uh, they'd become something that everybody used and then they kind of drifted back to being a nerdy geeky thing so <laughs> um and also i i did find that at the time uh, nokia had two separate online presences there was the marketing side and the customer care side which was obviously us whereas nowadays the online presence is almost exclusively uh, run by marketing people in most companies and the customer care side the same as on like telephone and and, uh, written connections is uh, run by call centers. So you don't find the the direct involvement of companies within uh, the online communities for the for the customer care side anymore. So it's it's really just a, like an extension of the, the the contact center operation usually, I think. So a, what what we a, did uh, what we did in building it uh, was uh, to uh, to make sure that there was a real Nokia presence. Um, there was uh, probably more than you realised 
of the users on the forum were Nokia people. They were interested in it from a technical point of view because they were getting information back about issues that customer were experiencing. Uh, there was quite they were able to help as well. Um, and uh, it, it kind of, I think that's why it was so effective, is that there were a lot of unofficial Nokia people lurking in the background um, and uh, offering answers to the community. Sorry, have I gone on for long enough? <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a very good explanation, I thought. So, uh, and, I, and I think uh, you hit the nail on the head too, because I actually just asked, because uh, I've got an LG phone at the moment, and I actually asked LG for uh, some information, and they've palmed me off onto a third party. So uh, you're absolutely correct with that too. So it's all marketing and everything now. It is. Um, and th that was, uh, I think, uh, that, that was... Uh, my, I actually stopped being a community manager about six months before I left Nokia, but that was that was largely because, again, uh, even internally now, Uhis uh, was out of the picture. He was working as a as a, a contractor, and uh, marketing people effectively took over discussions. And it uh, once once Microsoft bought the company, of course, it uh, it was merged in with. Was it easy called Microsoft Answers? And so everything kind of, uh, a lot of the um, technical stuff is still online in Microsoft Answers, but it's uh, a lot of the uh, private conversations that we had in the background, they're all, they're all gone. Mm. So. It's a real shame, isn't it? Uh, we didn't have a, you know, probably was a lot of uh, pretty good conversations in there, Wayne. Some fond yeah. memories. <laughs> I've still got copies. Uh, I used to take screenshots of the more interesting bits uh, of our little interior group, which uh, many people listening might remember the round table and many might not because it was quite a select group that we invited uh, in. Uh, it was all the most technically able that were providing the best information. But uh, it became a bit of a playground <laughs> in the end, I'm sure. <laughs> Can you elaborate on, on any stories there, uh, Wayne? Well, um, I think uh, before we had a com comedy character in the British government called Boris, we had one in, in the online community called Boris, who I'm sure Adrian remembers. I do. <laughs> a bit of a distant memory, but, and, uh, uh, yeah. I think uh, I uh, – uh, so um, – I'm not sure who invented Boris first time around. I rather think it was CJ Lim, who was a Malaysian guy living in Ireland, who had the most dry wit you have ever imagined. Um, so we, we, we ended up with this character of, of Boris, who was the uh, an ex-KGB uh, uh spy who had who was supposedly employed by discussions to keep everything in order um and the stories about boris became almost a a, a sub 
uh, a subcategory in the, in the roundtable discussions. It was uh, something that uh, he he definitely had a personality of his own by the end of it. So, um, and I think everybody contributed to the legend. Uh, I think Psychomania put a lot of effort into creating the character as well. Uh, yourself, Adrian, and oh, I can't remember what um, his username was now, but I'm still I'm still in touch with Godwin. I can't remember what his username was yeah. at the time. I think it was, I think it was Grish, Grish, Krishnan or something. That's the yeah. fella. That's yeah. the fella. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, maybe, it was his um, initials and the place in France where he used yeah, to live. So yeah. Few other so people, yeah, like, so um, we we we, we kind of we invented a whole world of our own within this uh, little uh, community that uh, uh, I think it certainly kept people. I think part of the the appeal of the community at large was that the the regular members, the the kind of uh, uh, elite members of the community uh, kept going out in the community at large uh, the spirit that we had in the internal area so I think that was possibly one of the best benefits of even having the round table um, it made users like yourself feel included and you you took that spirit out to the to the whole community definitely um with um they were some of the uh, fondest times of my life uh, i can say that say that for sure wayne um yeah like you just summarized it perfectly there uh so on to me i've got another question here so what were some of the challenges you found in working with such a large online community across not only nsd but uh social media teams scattered across the world Um, well, with, uh, with with Nokia support discussions, the biggest challenges were keeping uh, keeping things on track um, in terms of what was what the community was there for. Um, the biggest problem we had with the forum was people wanted to come along and use it as advertising and removing a lot of the the content that our users didn't want to or weren't particularly interested in was something that took a lot of the moderators time um and uh so and i think that was probably a huge admin operation that kind of got in the way of of the community sometimes uh we would come in in the morning when when I was first on the forum. We had uh, a team in Belgium and a team in Malaysia that looked after two halves of the day. Um, and uh, when it was uh, just, uh, daylight savings in Europe, we used to have a little bit of a gap in the coverage. So we'd come on first thing in the morning, and before we can get to dealing with the community matters, we had to get rid of. A whole ton of spam and fake competitions and uh, all kinds of uh, stuff like that. So that was that was the biggest 
admin uh, administration problem, uh, the the biggest there weren't any huge challenges in running the community because even by the time I started to be involved in it, I think the community was well enough established that even the the regular users knew the rules and they were helping the moderation team to to enforce uh, not not enforce that's the wrong word to to guide the community uh, direction so it, it was kind of organic and it worked itself um, but then the the biggest challenges we got sometimes were with new products and rumors because we were absolutely uh, you know, wherever you worked in Nokia, it, it was absolutely the hard, fast rule that you don't discuss anything that hasn't been announced. So you get all these rumors about there's this new model coming out, it's going to have this, it's going to have that. And people want to ask about it. And uh, we were not even allowed at one stage to entertain the conversations. Uh, the product didn't exist until it existed, if you, if you can see what I mean. Um, so that was the hardest challenge was uh, on for, it was uh, getting people to understand why this part of the conversation uh, wasn't permitted in the community. Um, when we started moving out into other areas of social media, the challenge was that people didn't know, obviously, the community. People were interacting with uh, a company the same as they would a contact center. If you call, if you contacted through Facebook or Twitter, uh, you weren't aware of the community that was behind the online support because that was largely in one place. Uh, and so... Uh, that the real challenge in in expanding was trying to build uh, the same kind of community when we were actually not in our own territory. We were again in the marketing. So the marketing ran the Facebook, the Twitter, uh, and everything else in social media except the discussions. So we were kind of sitting in their territory, and they were a lot more. Uh, uh, reticent, really, to to uh, have people in there is, uh, from the care side because they're, you know, what marketing marketing people are like. They it's a carefully crafted image that they want to have portrayed, and uh, what you may not have realised is that the moderators operating in the community were simple contact center agents. Uh, they were specially selected contact center agents and they were some of, we, we managed to get usually the best of the best, but they, they were uh, contact center agents. So they had uh, less access to the internal Nokia culture. Uh, and that is what put the marketing people off a lot. And so they, they were very, uh, uh, 
we used to have a lot of conversations, let's say, about oh, why why did this person say that in in this Facebook feed? Uh, and uh, again, at that point, we started to have these conversations uh, around, uh, uh, well, a lot more conversations around uh much more tighter policing than we needed to have in in the discussions community which of, of course it's because simply because you don't have the community base that's been established over years it was all new so uh, uh some of the biggest challenges for me personally were sitting in an office just outside of helsinki and getting all of the hot potatoes that had gone around the care network uh, and not been solved. And if you give me just a moment, I'll tell you one particular story. And it was an Australian girl. Uh, she was uh, quite severely disabled, I think, uh, in her mid-teens. And she had quite an old phone. So I dealt with this problem around 2012 or 13. And she was using a f uh, one of the old flip phones from about 2007 or 8. And because of her disability, she had a lot of uh, mobility, uh, like dex uh, problems with manual dexterity. <laughs> and so she had one with a much larger keypad uh, than average. And when that broke, she spent about six months going to and fro with, the care agencies locally uh, in Australia and with the call centre trying to get this phone repaired. And uh, with any huge care operation, these are the cases that fall in the cracks because there are no hard, fast answers. Um, and also people uh, didn't like to say no to a customer and unfortunately the answer that she should have been given to the poor woman's mother should have been given uh, originally was I'm sorry the phone is too old we wouldn't stock parts to be able to repair it um, so by the time I, it landed on my desk I was the uh, it, it had become a major complaint that had come up to uh, CEO level I don't probably didn't get as far as the CEO it would have been sifted to one side before he saw it and we need to solve this customer's problem and the only way we could solve the problem was basically to say there's nothing we can do but as you probably know Adrian from when you visited the office I had a small collection of, uh, of phones in a cupboard would you say small? I would say um, big because <laughs> uh, you had quite – I remember you had all those pockets on your shirt and your pants and you just kept pulling Nokia phones out on it like a, like a magician. I thought, oh, my goodness, like really? So, <laughs> basically, I, I was kind of the Womble. Uh, I don't, don't know if the Womble's ever got to Australia, but that's yes, an old children's TV show. I was the womble of Nokia house. And if, if, uh, if I found an old phone somewhere that, 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 that was 
just inches away from the recycling bin, it would come back into my cupboard. And so I could, even if I didn't have the exact model that a customer wanted, I had something that was similar enough to use. So I was able to, to write a letter back to this customer and say, I'm really sorry. There's nothing we can do about this phone just because of the age of it. But here's one of the same model. Uh, it's uh, it's not it's been used for testing, but it's been used hardly at all. Uh, and I just sent that off. I, I sent a few bits of memorabilia from the little shop that we had <coughs> selling all the merchandise. And uh, I thought that would be the end. I thought that was a solution. It's the only solution we can give. But I had at least given the girl a, a phone that she could would be able to use. And about three or four months later, I got uh, a card in the post with uh, a few bits of uh, Australia memorabilia, shall we say, a flag and a wallet with a kangaroo on it, all kind of things, and an outpouring of gratitude. Um, and that was probably one of the, the, the better moments for me of, of being able to tell somebody that we can't help you, but here's something we can do instead. Uh, and to know that a, a, a teenage girl who kind of through losing a phone had lost contact with a lot of her friends on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I didn't realize until I got that letter a few months later how, how much of a difference that kind of thing makes. And... Uh, when, when you're running a community with, I think we had 2 million regular visitors at the height of discussions, uh, 2 million daily visitors, sorry. Uh, you know, the odd little cases like that that really shine out as to, as to what a difference that community was able to make. Um, because a lot of my knowledge a lot of my knowledge was put together by combining the internal training with information and uh, and uh, uh, community knowledge that I got from discussions as well. So we, I learned a lot from the, the community as well as, as you guys out there using it. What a great story. Yeah. And uh, you're right, just little things can make such a huge difference. Um, yeah, uh, it's, you don't, it makes you think as well how fast technology moves on. Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, uh, now I've got a phone now that I've had for almost three years and it's so disgustingly out of date. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's... Uh, I bought it uh, just before when I knew I was going to be leaving the Philippines because uh, I, I wanted a decent phone uh, without paying European prices for it. And it still soldiers on, but it, there's a lot that it won't do now. <laughs> so. Well, I just want to thank you too, Wayne, for uh, pr pretty much answering uh, my next two questions to you. <laughs> so uh, what do you think, Adrian? He's, he's just about answered a couple of my questions. 
Uh, okay. You have to tell me. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure he. I'm sure he can. He can expand on the next question. Just. I know. Just I a know. little bit. I know. I'm just making a bit of fun. What what phone do you have actually now? Anyway, uh, what what did you get from the Philippines? Uh, it's a it's a, a Vivo. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's yeah, a, it's Vivo, a Chinese yeah. brand. Uh, we don't really have them in Europe. And if, when I tell people here I've got a Vivo, they say what? <laughs> um, but there are two, uh, there's two Chinese brands, Oppo and Vivo, which have, uh, they've become, I, I would say they're as good, quali- as good a quality as, uh, as the leading ones in the marketplace like Samsung. They're, um, they, they're not using the cheap components, uh, to make, to keep it dirt cheap um they're using good components and like i say i've had this one for three years without a problem um but the other big problem buying a phone in anywhere in europe is that they tend to be network locked mm. didn't we have a lot of conversations about that thing in the day oh yes every second question uh, is about <laughs> network locking um and uh, one of the challenges from from a customer su- support point of view was that not everybody in other organisations had had the right training. Uh, I remember a conversation with uh, uh, an agent from Vodafone UK who'd phoned up because he was having a problem with a customer who wanted an unlock code, and he was convinced that we should provide it uh, mm. because we put the lock on the phone. Uh, yes, Nokia put the lock on the phone because Vodafone bought the thing and yep. wanted it there. Yep. And it's part of your contract with your customer. Uh, so the codes are provided at the time of sale, and that is the end of the, of the manufacturer's responsibility. And I really don't want to mess about with that in my own phones. No, yeah. unlocked all the way. All right, so look, you've briefly touched on uh, my next question, Wayne, So, but I'll ask it anyway. So what did you do personally to learn everything there is to know about a phone and its OS? Ooh. Um, well, I think Adrian's already touched on that, is that I had most of them in my possession. Mm-hmm. Um the the most the, it was a lot easier than you would imagine because there were although there were several varieties of operating system in use at, at one point it was they were very interchangeable um, so uh, whenever there was a new model out we basically just needed to learn any new features and everything else we could take as red so you were building on on knowledge all the time rather than learning a lot when when a new model came out and um, and i'll give you an example from my uh earlier days working as a contact center agent for nokia uh we we used to have visitors come in uh regularly from nokia to look at what was going on uh uh 
not necessarily connected to the care operation, but if they were in if they were in Brussels, they would pop by and and try educate themselves on what was happening at that side of things. And they would come and listen to calls. And I had one call which was about a long time ago, so I can't remember, but it was a series forty phone. Um, and I guided the customer through a few uh, a few steps to to find out what was going on and then to to put the settings right to fix it. And the conversation I had with this uh, this Nokia employee afterwards was along the lines of, how did you do that? It was almost like you could see the customer's phone. <laughs> and I'd never even thought of it like that. But, but there, there's so many phones that work the same way. And day in, day out, we were trawling through the menus to find different things that you just instinctively knew. And it's it's something I miss because now I get the the ones that I've got left out of the dusty box that they've sat in in the attic for years, and I switched them on, and I I just can't remember anymore. I can I can find my way around, but I used to it, we used to instinctively know it, um, and it was just it was largely an enthusiasm thing. If if you had a spare moment, you would pick up a phone and play with it. It was as simple as that. And we, we were, everybody on the care side uh, were, if they weren't enthusiasts before they started working there, they were by the time they'd finished. And you, you just got into the habit of picking it up and having a play. That was, that was the easiest way to learn anything. It's like a kid in a candy store. I'd be, I'd be loving that. I'd be very enthusiastic, right? <laughs> So, well, uh, the one uh, before I started working in the Nokia Empire, uh, that would be 2007 when I first joined the Nokia Care organization. Um, before that, I'd been using uh, another leading brand of the time, uh, which was. Uh, I'd had, the first phone I ever had was given as a gift, which was a, an old, very basic 2G Ericsson. And the two phones that I bought in the intervening years were both Sony Ericsson's too. So it was, um, I always bought them because I'm quite tight-fisted at heart and I don't like spending money. And I just felt that you got a bit more spec for your money with the Sony than the than the Nokia but then starting to work for Nokia I actually kind of got much more of a fondness for them very quickly because the quality was a lot so much better and that's something I'd ne you, you don't notice when you just handle it quickly in the shop um mm -hmm. uh, the uh, some of the phones there that we had with the the the, the phones with metal casings that they, they actually felt right in your hands. It's a tiny little thing that you don't imagine, but when it feels right in your hand as you're using it, it uh, it makes a difference to the whole experience. 
Geez, no wonder you were in charge of waffling uh, again, aren't Not your support discussion because the way you explain <laughs> things, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it, Adrian? The way he explains it things. It is. It is. It is. Um, he's 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 nailed it on the head there, definitely. Um, and yeah, I can, you know, I can relate. Like you said, um, just with the models, like they were pretty much the the same thing, and it became muscle memory. You know, when people would ask questions, you, you'd know where that setting was instinctively, and you could just, you know. You just type out the answer because you knew exactly where that setting was um, or where that feature was on the phone. So, um, yeah, that's uh, made a, made the job a lot easier, I guess. I think the biggest challenge is really with, with the um, with the Symbian uh, phones was that uh, they with when we had the operator variant phones, so you'd have your standard Nokia device, which we would call, we used to call it the generic, but I think in the community, a lot of people use the word vanilla. Um, and then you would have uh, the Vodafone UK version and the SFR France version and the uh, uh, the Bouygues Belgium version. And the although the... the the core operations were the same. They looked very different. So you sometimes had to look in a different menu for something or something might not be there because the operator didn't want it there. But the biggest problem was very often they didn't get the updates. or They didn't get them straight away or sometimes they didn't get them at all. And we had that with the N95. Uh, two of the biggest companies in Europe, which was the Vodafone network and uh, the Orange. No, it wasn't the Orange. Uh, what was the one that merged with Orange? It was the... Um, T-Mobile? Oh, the German. Free? Free Mobile? No. Yeah. Um, no, it's got... Deutsche Telekom. There were two that... No, <laughs> no it was... Um, Orange and oh. T-Mobile, that was the one. I said T-Mobile. Uh, t- <laughs> did you? Sorry. I did. Um, when, when, my, when, when my brain goes off searching for information, it shuts down my ears and my mouth. Um, <laughs> so, t- yeah, T-Mobile and... And, and, uh, and Vodafone, I think it was, didn't authorize the, the last, the version 20 and they were stuck back on version 14. And you had to explain to a customer that, unfortunately, no, we can't. Um, the, the the software was effectively, although it was Nokia software, it was a proprietary version of, of your network operator, and we, we are not allowed to help you to change it. You know it's possible because you've read it online. We know it's possible, but we're not allowed to discuss it. <laughs> that's tough. And so that that was that 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 was often the the biggest challenge for certainly in in the developed countries. You don't have very you have very little of that when you're dealing with the Asian markets or the African markets because they just have the standard phone, but. Uh, these these were the big challenges in in giving care because you have a customer ringing up who uses one network 
and their phone is two or three versions ahead of uh, a customer that's phoning in the next five minutes who uses a different network. So that that was probably a bigger challenge than than the different phones models. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, just all that uh, carrier branding and uh, just the update uh, availability is just uh, be a real pain for the customers, unfortunately, yeah, as you've alluded true. to there. Well, I've got two Nokia E71s and one's a three model and one's a uh, generic model and uh, where the three menu is on the, gener on the generic model, it's a camera key. And uh, as you say, different updates. So uh, I know exactly what you're saying there. As soon as you're talking about different carriers and different hardware and everything else, I'm thinking, oh, straight away I thought back to the Nokia E71 that I've got, uh, I've got two different models. Yeah. That's where the firmware flashing comes in, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we can talk about that. No, I mean, are we... The, it, it was a very a big double-edged sword that the fact that we weren't allowed to talk about that um the real the, the reason is the the core reason is why why we didn't discuss it apart from the fact uh, was um contractual and that was if we started telling people uh okay you've bought your phone from vodafone here's how you strip it of its uh identity um then vodafone would stop buying hundreds of thousands and if you know it would it would affect nokia was effectively selling most of the phones in in developed countries to networks not to individual people hmm. um and so they were the client not you um whereas the, the obvious answer that we would give people is that we can't because you're going to hold us liable if you break it doing it. And we're not going to accept that responsibility. But it was a, a, a contractual issue with the major networks that they were terrified that the networks would just stop buying them. So obviously you don't affect, you don't kick your customer to, to make the end user happy. No, no. Definitely not. Yes. So, uh, on to my next question, Wayne. How did Wayne Spillett come to be known as Captain Care? Uh, that was... Uh, that was one of the two ladies in marketing did that. Now, uh, what happened was that as we started to expand the care operation outwards, we worked a lot more closely with the, the marketing teams. And it was created, in fact, it might have been one of those two ladies, or it might have been Joel Willens, who who you possibly remember. He, he was yeah. a... Um, <clears throat> he worked. He was an external contractor that worked with the marketing team, and he now runs the uh, things like uh, uh, I think it's called This Is Finland, or no, um, no, very very Finnish problems. That's the one. Yes. If you see, look, for, you can see that on all all across social media, and he's written books. But he was a marketing guy that 
worked as an external contractor. It might have been him that made up the name. And it was all about, they started to want to have some technical support information within uh, the, the blogs and the marketing uh, material that they were putting out. So uh, they would choose a, a common subject that was coming up in that they could see in questions and it would be it could be something like software updates or it could be unlocking my phone or it could be getting it repaired and then they would get me to 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 write an article that, that would be published and they just uh they invented the name uh, and it was only used it wasn't really an invented name for that purpose it was just uh something that was thrown out in the first article and stuck and it particularly stuck after a certain nsd user by the name of psychomania created the uh, the image by transposing my head onto captain america and adding the nokia logo so i think it was partially the marketing department that made up the the name and then that community member in in particular gave it a a face. So I can imagine you actually. I was just thinking before you said about the Captain America outfit. I was thinking Wayne in a in, with a blue cape, yeah, Nokia blue cape and a uh, Nokia logo on the front. <laughs> with I think what he yeah. all he did. I've still got. If you look at my. I don't know if it's still visible in my because it used to for a while it was my Facebook profile picture. It was uh, it was literally just Captain America with my face superimposed, and instead of the American flag on the shield, it was the Nokia um, the Nokia logo. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking for it now, Captain right, Let's have a look. I've still got something here, Wayne, about um, Wing Commander Wayne. Your pilots salute you, and it's got your head in a plane with a Nokia on the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was when we well, that that was the pilot scheme. So the the idea behind that was to uh, when we had certain key models coming out, uh, we did it with the I think it was the N ninety six first time round, yeah. and then then the ten twenty. 1020 and 920 as well, I think. Uh, 920 as well, right. yeah. Yep. So the, the idea was that you guys were giving the a lot of uh, excellent technical support out in the community. Um, we wanted to make sure that, uh, that we had some of the phones out there being used for that. So... Uh, I, that was again a creation of I think pilots was a creation of you hiss it was uh, he again he was the one fighting with Nokia internally to to get recognition again and he basically just said look these guys give as much support as all of the contact centers put together uh, the ones that are on the on the forum every day uh, probably answering uh, possibly three-figure numbers of questions. We just need to choose maybe 
I think it was usually 10 we did. And uh, we just put the phones in the hands of the 10 most prodigious uh, supporters in the forum. And uh, the minute those phones went on sale, we had uh, experts out there in the community as well. So, um, And I think Wing Commander Wayne was... Uh, another creation of Mr. Psychomania, who is a, a graphic artist by profession. Um, always, well, he's part graphic artist and part beer drinker. I'm not sure which is his, his main profession. I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. Uh, <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned Psychomania uh, a few times. Do you still keep in contact with Steve at all? Uh, we're still connected through Facebook every now and then we pop up, um, he pops up on my feed. And so him and him and Godwin or GR Shinnon particularly, uh, there's also, uh, another Steve Carmen 58 still in touch with him. Uh, there's this, this guy called Adrian Hughes. Oh, who was he though? I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, quite a quite a few of the guys. Um, there, there's a guy who lives, an American guy who lives in Helsinki. Still in touch with him, and I can't remember what his. Oh, he was Sapporo baby. That's it. Because he he was working for the American State Department, and he'd been stranded in Helsinki. He desperately wanted to get back to Japan. So. He uh, he had his first child. Uh, his first child was born in Sapporo in Japan, so that was why he had that name. So it's, that was a, a an interesting thing as well. Is that how some people in the community made their names? So you, you and I, Adrian, we had boring names based on our own names. Yeah, <laughs> and everybody <laughs> else had these fantastic stories. <laughs> That's it. Oh, oh and uh, Jimmy. Jimmy Ireland as well. That was the other one. Jimmy Ireland, yes, yep. Um, yeah. Jimmy was uh, an interesting character because he kind of it took a long time to bring him into the community as a whole because he'd he was a bit too enthusiastic is probably the correct way to phrase it, um, and he. He tried to answer a lot of questions with fairly basic answers and he ran into fights with some members of the community and uh, we we actually had a little bit of pressure at one time to to ban him but you his and I had, had, had kind of got together and decided that the best course of action was was not to allow certain personalities within the community to 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 push others out. Um, and although he was a bit anti antagonistic at times, uh, the antagonism was probably a fifty fifty two way street. By the time it really fired up, so. Um, we we worked with him over a few months and and gradually brought him in and then he became 
uh, obviously everybody's uh, friend as well. So it, it kind of it shows how the community can work when you can when you can bring people together that are fighting and set. You know, they're, they're both working. For, you know, both sides, him and the the few members of the community that didn't like him at the time, were all working for the same goal, but in different ways. And and the fact that we were able to bring him into the community. So you're talking. You're talking about Jim. Before yeah. Faded so, out. Um, yeah. So he. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was enthusiastic, but should we say, and a little bit antagonistic. And it got to a stage where we used to get messages: "Could we please ban him because he's a nuisance?" Um, but we did find that occasionally some of the community members were. Um, should we say perhaps baiting him a little bit, trying to make him uh, misbehave. So, so we weren't going to allow that to win, and we basically just brought him in. Uh, we worked. We worked with him uh, to to try to uh, to to prevent some of the flare-ups that happened, and. Uh, you know, eventually he was accepted by the whole community. So. And, of course, now he's still actively blogging away. Very active. Larry, that's it. Uh, so on to you, Justin, mate. All right. Uh, you, you might have touched on it before, Wayne, but uh, what, what was your proudest moment working for Nokia Support Discussions? Um, for discussion specifically, I think that would have to be uh, again. It would be around about the third. I think it was the third pilots when we did the ten twenties. Uh, that was although. The, the participants had always been grateful for the chance to participate. That was when the um, when I, I, I've, I most felt the gratitude of the members, and I, I think you'd um, one of you had got everybody else together to to send a oh, send, send a nice. messages in. Yes, yes, that um, was it. So, uh, so yeah, that kind of that that for me validated everything that we'd been trying to do with the community is that is that it, the fact that everybody got together to to send uh, those messages in and yeah, it was basically thanks for giving me a phone, but the way you said it was was very nice. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, you know, it, it uh, as a community, as when and as trying to build a community like that, when when it starts to uh, take its own organic life and people in all parts of the world. So we had uh, there was there was quite a few Brits and Australians. We had Indians, we had Americans, uh, yeah, pe people in various parts of the world were effectively 
all in one room. Um, and that was, that was uh, something that you didn't always appreciate coming in and looking at your computer on your desk every morning. But um, it was moments like that made you realize how the word community wasn't just a word we were using because it was the internet parlance. It, it really was. And uh, when when things came to an end after Microsoft merged everything in, uh, I also re we we got comments that there had you know people were telling us that there hadn't been uh, another community quite like this one. There there might have been members of several, and this was the one they came back to. So it was it was these these kind of comments from the the end users of the services we were providing. Uh, well, what made you proud of, or what made you, Hiss, and I proud of what we'd done? Was it humbling? Yeah, it was, because I I never really thought about uh, what we were doing. It was just something I, I did because, A, it was my job, B, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. That was it. I was I was looking at entirely from a personal point of view, um, and getting the uh, getting the feedback from from the users that that told us that not only were we doing it right, but we were perhaps doing it better than everybody else. It kind of it's it, it's. It, not something I would have imagined because I, I'm just I'm one of these people that just goes and gets on with what I need to do. Basically, if I enjoy it, it makes it easier. Um, but I, I tend not to. Um, I tend not to think too deeply into into. Uh, or at the time, certainly, I tended not to think too deeply into into what it meant to other people. Um, and that was uh, something that even today, um, uh, you know, that if I if I have to think back of of all the jobs I've had over the years, Nokia was really the pinnacle. Um, I don't think I'll ever uh, come close to that again. And I hope my current employer is not listening. <laughs> so. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> so that's nice perfect that's a lovely answer Wayne um, coming is it my turn Justin is it it's, it's your turn right yes <laughs> thanks for keeping up too Adrian I, I am I am okay Wayne <laughs> did much change for you when Microsoft took over from Nokia Mobile so we kind of touched on a little bit of this before. Yeah. Well, my entire job changed at that point. Um, uh, I had, I became, I was still involved with discussions at that point. Uh, but then you would have started to see uh, other people listed as community managers who were uh, were actually in the call center. They did. They were promoted moderators, um, and I became much more involved in in the 
department, what was effectively an escalations department for the whole support network. Um, what you would, wouldn't have seen as a customer or a service user is that in the four years that I worked in Finland, I actually, I was bounced about from different departments. We kept, every time there was a, what, what, what we used to call the annual redundancy round, they would rejig all the departments. So uh, initially we had a specific department, uh, which was about, uh, it was called Daily Editorial Operations, which is an odd title, but we were responsible for online content for customer care. Uh, and then I, I ended up in another department which was more specifically about uh, concerned with uh, online care rather than uh, the general uh, care content like the website content. Uh, and then by the end I was attached to uh, a technical department which uh, if you phoned up a call center and said, why is this not working on my phone? If they couldn't answer you in the call center, they would escalate it to a specialist team. And that's the team I was part of by the end. Um, I'd always been doing the same job, but I'd been bounced around all these different departments as the company reorganized. And um, so I became, uh, as the community manager role was, uh, passed out to the to the contact center side of things i became more involved in helping that technical team to to field information from the social media content um to to get information on on issues so i was less involved with the community as uh as a part of it and more uh using it as a tool um and then I was. There. I think I was only with Microsoft for about six or eight months or something like that. I took there was a redundancy round in two thousand and fourteen, um, and at that point, uh, be, largely because I was, I, I I felt that the role I was in was definitely not the same role anymore after all the changes. Um, I was no longer so involved with the with the customers, which was for me one of the most important things. Um, that was probably about fifty or sixty percent of my decision to to take the voluntary redundancy in two thousand and fourteen. Um, and the other forty percent, I have to say, was we we were a bit. Um, a bit concerned about how the long-term future, which was a correct concern because the operation was wound up the following year. Um, and uh, towards, we used to have lots of uh, stuff around the office. You can remember, um, you've had a tour of the office, Adrian, you know what, what a little heaven that office was. Um, but we used to have all sorts of, amongst all the shiny new things from when they renovated, we had lots of uh, things from over the years, like Nokia care signs for, of, 
various different ages would appear around the office. Um, and towards the end of the Microsoft period, I had uh, a friend of mine who was still working at Nokia House um, posted online a picture of one of these Nokia Care signs. So it's the old, old green logo, the very old green logo before they'd made the blue logo. Um, and it was just the words Nokia Care on a lighted uh, kind of background. And somebody had written on it in marker pen uh, that they changed Nokia Care to read even Nokia Cared more. Um, you know, they, were, they, they really they felt that having been, been bought by Microsoft, Microsoft had kind of uh just let everything go um uh and that uh uh they 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 really they didn't realize i don't think they knew what they were buying um they never knew why they bought it uh and in fact rumor has it it was steve barmer's decision to buy nokia and then within months of that actually happening he'd uh he he left and uh is it satya satya, satya yeah he took over and he, yeah. he never wanted it um so and he he changed the whole focus of microsoft to be more about online services um and so it's like you'd gone out and bought yourself a Rolls Royce and just left it in the garage to rot. It was kind of, <laughs> um, and the, the, the atmosphere certainly did go down in the last few months that I was there. Um, uh, quite a few people had, uh, well, people had been leaving every year in these, these redundancy rounds, but it's um, the last one uh, seemed to be the the office seemed a lot more empty afterwards. It's the best way I can put it. We 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 had whole sections of that enormous office not being used. Um, the only advantage of which was I was able to go through drawers of people had left and pick out more phones. But um, but the, the the general atmosphere of the company went down, and I think it was a, a lack of direction more than anything else. Um, so yeah, so that was that was kind of my impetus to 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 take the redundancy. Um, it meant I have to leave Finland, and I absolutely, I'm more than anything else in my life, I miss living in Finland. It's 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 a weird place, but it's a wonderful place. Um, but then, of course, straight after that, uh, I uh, I moved to the Philippines. So I went from minus twenty five in the winter to thirty degrees all year round, and that was a bit of a shock. It would have been. But I can't imagine just the the morale and uh, the atmosphere, as you said, yeah, you know, those last few months just uh, would have been demoralising. Yeah, um, say so. We 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 sort of had a, a sense of the end coming, and 
it uh, even for the most enthusiastic person it does make it hard to focus on uh, what what we were basically there for what what my roles and, and many of us in the Nokia Care Network were therefore was to build public enthusiasm um, because we couldn't feel that enthusiasm from the people we were working for. It was very hard to to keep it going for the for the. Um... I've dropped out again, haven't I? No, no, I'm I'm, I'm still hearing you, mate. Oh no, I'm listening. All right, okay. Um, no, my, my screen just suddenly went very blank. Very, like, like, everything stopped moving. Um, so, yeah, so it was kind of... Um, it, it's very... It was hard to keep the vision going for the customers because we weren't getting that vision from, from the company itself. Hmm. It's uh, bloody awful, really awful. It's uh, good to hear it firsthand from uh, someone who's there. So, but it's but, um, as as with everything in life, you just take away the good memories and, <laughs> and yeah, you have to. You know, it, it, it's uh, it, it's working for Nokia is that is one thing in life that I don't think I would, you know, if I became the most senile person in the world, I don't think I'd forget that. I think that's. Well, I'm going to change tack slightly, uh, Wayne. So you've had a great career in customer service. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what was Bring that? Bring up the mood. Bring up the mood? Yeah, well, I am. the mood a bit. Well, I have to, mate. I, I've, just, I've just about felt like uh, killing myself there for a second, but no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you've, had a, you've had a great career in customer service and management and training and support. Do you, have, do you have any advice for anyone wishing to get a foot in the door? I must do something similar to you. Um, yeah, I um can I want something up uplifting, Wayne? This is, this is what I, again, going back to the conversation where I didn't kind of realise how much it meant to people, I don't, I'm not really sure what it was I did. Um, I think I, I, I was a very lucky person and I think I fell into a lot of it. Um, but I probably fell into it by uh, being you have to be enthusiastic and knowledgeable for 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 the the product or the service that your service that you're dealing with um, you can't be you can't give good customer service um, if if you're just looking at it as this is what I have to do it has to be if you bring that enthusiasm with you it rubs off on other people. I think that's that's the main thing. Uh, you have to uh, it, you have to be constantly learning yourself and re-educating yourself with everything that's that, that that's new. And really, um, 
largely i think i've most of my most of my career certainly at that stage i really just kind of went with the flow so it's not really inspiring stuff um but the the it's it's just as much important uh, in providing customer service as it is to be to having a community out in your in the real life your local community where you live if you if you treat everybody with respect around you you get that respect back uh, if you if you work hard um, and actually just being the person who knows more than average people more than most people do is what gets you uh, into that kind of a position you you ha it's the experience and the knowledge um, that that's certainly what got me uh, not only into Nokia but into a few jobs I've had since um, so since then uh, I've been still in customer service uh, most of the time I was in the Philippines I was either dealing with uh, Australian or Chinese customers, depending on which of the, the three jobs I had there I was doing at the time. Um, and for me, it was always uh, not just a job, but a learning experience. And when you're dealing with ordinary people out there in their homes, so whether it's Australian people using phones or whether it's uh, Chinese people learning English, um, you you have to relate to those people as as people and not numbers i think that was that's one of the things a lot of companies get wrong is they look at numbers and not people um and if you want to make people feel valued it takes very little effort but if you make a customer feel valued uh, simply by understanding them, uh, being there with them, that's what builds the reputation of, of, a, of a brand. Uh, you could have the finest products and services in the world if you don't back that up uh, by, by being there with your customer then you're not going to have the customer. Um, so uh, the path I took with Nokia through is not really available anymore because we don't really have forums anymore, as we as we discussed earlier. So I yeah, I I I got the job with Nokia because I'd been with the forum as a, an external contractor for a number of years. And again, it was just the the knowledge you build up, the experience you build up. Um, you don't have to start at the very bottom, but you do have to un work your way through to understand the different layers of of any company. I think um, if you if you walk into a job in a in a management role you're never going to have the same understanding as you as you have if you have if you deal with the customers face to face every day so 
um, you know, just treat the real way to succeed in customer service is to treat everything as a learning experience yourself. Uh, and that's what, that's what gives you the, the knowledge, which is the tool you need to succeed, I think. You're a man of my own heart. Wayne, everything you've just said there, I agree with. And uh, I've used uh, a lot of those methods in my own in my own uh, professional life, and I, I just loved what you just said. Then e everything you said, yeah, you, you got to have a, a an enthusiasm. You, you want to, you have to, you still have to learn. You get, you're always learning. Uh, be em empathetic with customers, that sort of thing. And, and they are people. You've got to realize they're all people. They're not numbers. You're right. I, I loved everything you said. So, uh, one of. Um as I say, I was, in the Philippines, I was I, I almost uh, I almost lost track of of, of uh, British life because apart from my family back home, as I say, most of the people I was dealing with Filipinos, obviously on a day to day basis, and professionally mainly Australians and Chinese. So, <laughs> um, what the first job I had in the Philippines was uh, with a little call center. Um, which was a Melbourne-based company that had set up an operation in the Philippines for the same reason everybody does, to save a bit of money. Um, uh, but it was a small company that were taking on all the little contracts. So instead of working for one company like, uh, like Nokia, I was working for various different councils in different places, um, mainly in Victoria, but also a few in Queensland and Western Australia. Uh, I was doing contracts for uh, a big coffee brand. There was a contract, there was different um, uh, small companies, parking operators. So every call you got was a different company and it was a bit of a lottery, so you'd have to watch the screen, know what cust know what question, what company was coming up, so you could answer the phone correctly. Uh, and the big biggest challenge there was obviously getting the right tone for the different companies. Um, and but the oddest story was, as I said, we used to work for a lot of the councils. Um, particularly doing out-of-hours services. And I had one occasion when there was three of us left in the, in the office, and I took a call from somebody from, I think it was Frankston Council, which is right in the middle of Melbourne. Near um, me. And, and they'd found a dog which was wearing a tag from... Uh, Frank uh, from a different uh, council. No, let me get let me get this right. They'd <laughs> found a dog, and it was it, it was uh, wearing a Frankston tag, but they weren't in Frankston. That was the thing. And I said, no, you have to ring your council because uh, each council obviously has its own ward, and it's going to go out and deal with these problems. But he's not going to travel 
across several different council areas to pick up a dog that's wearing a tag. So I said, you have to ring your council and then they will liaise with Frankston about uh, reuniting the dog with its owner. Uh, it's probably something that had escaped from a car or something. But as soon as that call ended, the phone rang again and I, I was, I had to wait for a colleague to answer it because I thought if I pick up that same phone and I get that same woman <laughs> who's got this dog <laughs> with a different council's tag, she's going to know that two councils are using the same call center. Same place, yep. And she's, she's going to want to know why I didn't just deal with it. <laughs> but we weren't allowed to do that. You had to deal with each call as an individual thing because obviously uh, when you ring uh, a customer service line, you don't imagine you're going to a call center. That's a carefully crafted uh, image whether it's your bank or the local council or a, a, an electronics producer, they're farming the work out for customer service to contact centers, but they want you to believe that it's them. And that's, that's the image that you, you always have to uh, keep that image going. So if you're working multiple contracts, Imagine how psychotic you get at the end of a heavy day. <laughs> I can imagine. So, um, uh, <clears throat> so All right, Adrian. Um, it's good. It's okay. Good no, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's I good to get some Melbourne all, Council names as well, too. Like my, my family lives down in Frankston. Uh, Wayne, so uh, just a 20 minute drive from me. Yeah. Well, I found I, I always used to find, uh, I probably, I'm, I'm going to upset some people now. Here we go, Adrian. But <laughs> we're going to anger all the Australians. When you're dealing with people in, well, I was, as I say, the, the main states we were dealing with were, were Queensland. Victoria, New South Wales, and Western. And the, the most argumentative people were always in that city with a famous bridge and opera house. I won't mention it. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, always, they always seem to have bigger problems than everyone else, and they'd be more angry about it. <laughs> and so after a call from that place, getting a call from an angry lady in uh, in Melbourne whose bin wasn't collected or uh, <laughs> or a guy in uh, in Perth who can't operate his coffee machine, uh, you know, however bad that call was, it would never be quite as bad as the as that this previous call. <laughs> Hello, Michael Farrow to Cena. I hope you're listening. <laughs> he, he's, he's from that city, Sydney. We don't, well, don't uh, say the name. I, I had a I had a colleague in that company who was from Sydney, uh, and he agreed with me. So there you go. He, he said, "Why do you think I'm in the Philippines, mate?" <laughs> yeah, they're all a bunch of dickheads in Sydney. Yeah, we, to, we, we try and burn them off, don't we, Adrian? 
now you're going to start getting controversial and they're a bit closer so they can get you. So, well, We're going to put this in the title too, so we're going to have clickbait saying, uh, Dr. Chronicles <laughs> hate Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> might work for us, Adrian. It might. <laughs> All right, mate, your question, Adrian. This is a great yeah. question too for... One of our recent guests, Phil Schwartzman, has written his own book. Now, tell the listeners about the book that you've written, Wayne. Ooh. Mm. Now, there you go. Bit of a plug. Uh, <laughs> bit of a plug, yes. So, um, it's it's about, it's supposed to be being published, actually. But I've got, I tried to sell it um, independently and I did a terrible job. Um, but it, I've got a publisher now, and it's it's. Uh, I've had the first. Uh, I've had a, a a draft back, which they've made amendments to, and I've uh, uh, had my creative say on that. So I'm waiting for next news. But it was written while I was in the Philippines, um, and I had for for a number of years had this story floating around in my head. I wanted to be able to help people to avoid uh, some of the online scams. And I never really had a character in mind that was a vehicle to uh, to carry the story forward. Uh, and what hit me while I was in the Philippines is that there's a lot of people there, uh, and in Southeast Asia generally, there's a lot of people who are uh, trying to, uh, there's a lot of particularly women who want to to marry a, a Western guy to to get out to get a, a better life. Uh, not, not they want to marry a Western guy. I'm not going to make it sound cheap. Um, but there's a huge number of like Filipino and Thai women online trying to find men and. It struck me very often with some of the people that contacted me. I mean, I was with somebody, so I, all, you know, I was I was never interested in using the the internet to find relationships. But I was contacted with an amazing number of people who were not very uh, conscious of the data they had available on their profiles. Um. And then I got a job teaching Chinese people to speak English. And the contrast between the Filipino and the Chinese attitude to, to online life was stark. So instantly I had my character. I had to have somebody in the Philippines with Chinese online sensibilities. Um, but my character was Australian born because I basically stole her life story from a friend of mine who's Australian. Uh, so she was uh, uh, adopted by a Chinese family in Brisbane as a child from the Philippines and raised as, uh, as part of a Chinese family. And she was in, this, in the book, she's in the Philippines, just seeing it to, to, to see that, the country that she was born in and 
the story tells how her, at the very beginning of the story, she's concerned that her friend is absent after a date with a, uh, a guy she met online. And it, it, the book is called Social Murder, so we'll take it from there. Um, mm. And it's about how the character, who is this Australian-Chinese-Filipino uh, young whiz kid, who uses uh, online uses her online knowledge to track down what's happened to her friend and to save her in the end before everything goes really wrong. Um, I started writing it as a as a short story. Um, it became a novella because I talked too much. <laughs> and uh, I tried to, to, to sell it privately. I have a, a few hundred copies left of, of my copy. Um, but I've, I was really not confident really not confident that people would want to read something I'd written. I, I don't know why, because I, you all, you, you all used to read my tosh every day. Um, but I got nothing but positive comments from, from friends and family and other people that had, uh, that had got a copy. So I put it around a few publishers and four different publishers made offers. So it is going to be published soon. So hopefully social, media, social murder will be available uh, in Australia too, because my publisher has a, an office in Sydney. <coughs> um, probably shouldn't have uh, laid into it so heavily. <laughs> we love Sydney. So, <laughs> <laughs> So, so yes, yeah, so social media is a, a novella. It's, it's definitely not war and peace. It's a di nice read. If you're taking a long-haul flight, it would be an ideal thing to pick up in the air airport and read on a long-haul flight. Um, but it, 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 it's, it tells a story which, as you're going through it, educates you a little bit on 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 what is happening online and uh i actually put in a bit of blurb for the book i put that this story imagines the very worst that could happen through our online connections um but i would not never be one of these people that tells you not to use the internet and social media because I'm such a big enthusiast myself and I'm everywhere on social media. So uh, if, uh, you know, it's, it's all about protecting yourself, knowing what the danger signs are uh, and knowing how to, how to do it. So we, we've got the story of this, uh, of a young girl in her early twenties who basically catches a serial killer. Don't give it away. Just by looking for a friend. So there you go. <laughs> so I've spoiled the book now. You don't have to read uh, it. So was it a hard process yeah. writing? Um, the hardest part really was you know once once i had the character it flowed i already had the entire story but i didn't have a character to carry it off um mm -hmm. so it was quite easy to write the hardest thing unfortunately was 
she's not here at the moment, so is that my wife didn't understand why I was spending so much time writing. Um, but she was working in a shop where she was mainly doing evening shifts. So I would come home from work and hit the hit the keyboard. Um, <laughs> and I had to explain. <laughs> she really didn't understand why I wanted to to be writing so much. So that that was the the challenge was fitting it in. Um, uh, I'm trying to write a couple of. I've got a couple of sequels, both simultaneously on on the go, in case this is a success. Um, so the first of those sequels takes the character back to her native Australia, which is a much more difficult uh, challenge for me to write because I'm not f as familiar with the territory in which it's set. And then the third one brings her back to the Philippines for for more adventures. So hopefully the first one will do okay and then they'll take the second couple as well. Well, you've got uh, a couple of Australian guys who uh, could help you out with the second book, Wayne. <laughs> well, uh, we know the territory. What, I'll, I'll, I'll grab your addresses later. You can have a free copy of the first one, <laughs> and we want it signed as well. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, not asking um, for much, but yeah, it's oh, that'd uh, be awesome. Um, but yeah, it's uh. It's uh, it's 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 really, it. But it does show you the second book. I I wrote almost entirely by by driving around Brisbane in in Google um, Street View. Um, <laughs> so because the the one of the comments I got about um, about social murder from from my old English teacher, so the highest praise from the highest source. Um, was that I'd created a vivid picture of Manila. Uh, and I wanted to try to match that. And it's so easy now with online. You could go to a library 20 years ago and pick up a book and it wouldn't give you uh, a, the tiniest scintilla of what you can get on the internet nowadays. So we are, we are living in a very uh, fortunate age when I've been able to tour a city I've never been in and hopefully create just as vivid a, a, an image as I created for Manila. So we'll see. That's fantastic. And we're waiting for the uh, either the, the TV show or the uh, the movie, right? So I reckon there could be a movie in this too. Mm, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What do you think, Adrian? final chance to actually visit. <laughs> yeah, so. well, we'll look, yeah, well, look, you've got uh, some – some people here you can stay with, so uh, on either side of the country. I, uh, do, you know, do you know what? I, I, I realised something last year when I turned 48. I thought, damn, I think I've only got two years. In two years, I think I've become officially too old to emigrate to Australia. So that's one thing that I will never do. Damn. <laughs> really? There's an age limit? I think, uh, I think well, I, for most, from, from I think for working visas, I think they they tend to be. Well, last time I looked at it, I think there was a for for, for the we working visa type that I looked at, it was up to fifty years. So I think if if I make it rich, I could do it. Because I'm sure you'll take me if I'm rich. But hmm. <laughs> I think uh, I think the Australian immigration policy is more about making sure you have. Uh, uh, people of of working age, and I think uh, 
they they don't want people that's coming there to do 10 years and retire i suppose <laughs> maybe that's the solution mm, okay uh, so it could have changed in the in the in the interim but i think you know i definitely i, I thought but we'll have to sponsor you years ago. well there you go i'll come and work for nokia chronicles how's that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So that's but it is it's uh, it's certainly writing the book. has certainly um, it's kind of you start with a story and you realise that you want to make sure people believe it. So again, it's the same as the enthusiasm for the product when you're working for for Nokia you you go all out to make sure you're educated and as i say I, I basically lifted the backstory of my character from a friend so i thought i'd better make a better effort of making everything else as real as i can so <laughs> so i hope my uh, i hope my uh, australian chinese filipino character will will be popular um and i hope she'll teach uh teach people a bit more about uh, being online and uh, and that's the real thing. I mean, it, it's going to be, you know, I'm so I can't tell you how pleased I am that that I'm actually being published. But I really hope, you know, my biggest hope in writing this story is that it gets out to 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 people in Southeast Asia who who it's written really for. Um, to 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 us in the West, it's a it's a good whodunit story or a good crime story but i think all good stories teach you something and it has to get the right you know i really hope it gets to that right audience um, because i think uh living in the philippines and, and and knowing a lot of people in that part of the world in general i do find that a lot of a lot of the 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 western people that are also living or frequently visiting those areas are almost have an abusive relationship it, you know it's they're there for their fun and then they go back home to where they came from and there are an awful lot of uh 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 people that are getting hurt not necessarily physically hurt but you know, uh, I, I think, you know, as I said, there's a lot of people who dream of a better life in a different part of the world. And sometimes they are a little too trusting and a little too free to, uh, to, to put themselves out there in, in, what should we say, psychological danger, if nothing else. And I, my biggest hope is that it, that it helps uh, people in that situation. Um, I answered a question once. There's a, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Quora. I think it's Quora or Q or A or yeah, like a question um, answer sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I've been active on that for the last few years. I've, I've written a lot of political stuff, but I also get a lot of questions on what it's like being an expat in in Asia 
and uh, the questions come up about you know one question that came up is are Filipino women do they make good wives so yeah do Filipino women make good wives and to answer that question you really have to go into the cultural differences between what people expect in the West and what people expect in Asia um, and I have found that amongst the people that I've spoken to, the, the Americans and the Australians and Brits that I've spoken to in Manila, is you often see uh, that there is an attitude that's been put out in, in Western media that there, there's this part, these parts of the world where you can go to where women are old-fashioned and traditional, and that's utter nonsense they might have some older values they might be more religious than we tend to be in the west but then they're not looking for a 19th century life when when these people look to move to australia or britain or america they want a slice of the life that's there um, they these these women in places like the philippines and thailand they they see how women live in Australia and how women live in Britain, and that's what they want. They don't want to be uh, the downtrodden, uh, chained to the sink girl that some of these. Uh, I, hate, I can't really find a polite word. Some of these guys that are uh, patrolling these parts of the internet where these girls are. You know, they're, they're really out there for their own fun. And I don't think they realize that it's a serious game for these these people. And that they're, to, to understand what two different cultures want out of a relationship with each other is, is probably one of the most important things in the world, especially nowadays, because we've got the internet and the whole world is open to us. Um, and I think it's too easy for some of, uh, some of the, some of those of us in the developed countries who to kind of fall back on, uh, centuries old imperialist ideas about, uh, you know, superiority. And I, I do find that is an issue. Um, and it's something that, absolutely drives me insane um i uh, i tend to fall foul of many people who have these attitudes um and i'm one of these people who i might be generally amenable but if you if you really touch a subject that that is close to my heart, which which a lot of these people in in Asia are. They're, you know, it's a wonderful place to be. But it's a whether it's through through big business uh, operating over there, or whether it's through uh, tourists going to these places. We, I think, we do still have a very imperialist attitude to these countries. That you know that we're going there for our purposes. And you miss the most important thing, and that's 
what wonderful people you're going to meet. And that's the same, I suppose, anywhere in the world. You know, don't look at people as what you're getting out of them. Look at people as what they are and you'll make the best friends anywhere. So, you know, it's that's really what I want to do with the book is to kind of give a cultural lesson to both sides, if you, if you were. You know, this is what happens and this is why it's wrong. <laughs> so... I love this guy, Adrian. Preachy. <laughs> no, I, I, seriously, can I say I, I, I've loved everything you've said. Uh, look, I've, I've got a Filipino wife, and uh, I, I put her on a pedestal. And, uh, and Adrian would know, and he even called me called me today. He goes, "I'm whipped." Look, I, uh, she's the one who rules the <laughs> she's the one who rules the roost. And uh, look, I, no, look, can I tell you, we've got a fantastic relationship. Uh, yeah. And I know what you're saying about the people. So, and before. Uh, I met my wife, I was going out with a Vietnamese girl and she was, and, and like I said, you, you have these preconceived ideas of people, but can I say the, the Vietnamese people and the Filipino people is just amazing, amazing. So when this book comes out, mate, look, we'll be plugging, we'll be plugging it like there's no tomorrow and uh, I can easily do that. <laughs> well, you, you'll be getting one of the special copies that I had printed in the Philippines. So just let, oh, let me know where to go. send them and I'll get them over there. Yep. Too yep. easy. So. All right, so look, Wayne, it's my last question to you, and I'm going to change tack slightly, well, a lot, because uh, we got a little <laughs> bit serious there. Um, so, And I've spoken too much in this podcast today, Adrian, so uh, I'm just going to ask. <laughs> so you've, you've known Adrian for a long time, a hell of a long time, even longer than me. Be, be honest with me. What do you really think of him? And uh, <laughs> is, is he really the biggest dickhead you've ever met in your life? <laughs> um, uh, he's the tallest Filipino I've ever met. Um, he is. He's the to- <laughs> he is the tallest Filipino. <laughs> um, no, he's um, he, he's he was when we were running the discussions community. Adrian was one of the reasonable voices that we could rely on to calm some of the fights that happened. <laughs> it was all the British and Irish guys that were fighting and, and we were relying on people like Adrian <laughs> to, to keep things down. <laughs> and uh, he, he's a calm, measured, intelligent guy. Um, and uh, of all the people in the community to turn up in Helsinki, there was just absolutely no way I wasn't going to say, come over and have a tour of the building. Um, and, uh, that, that day, Adrian, it was, although I didn't do any work probably that day, it was probably an, a day when I gave a, a lot of, uh, information to you about the building. We took a whole tour. Um, we looked out at Helsinki from the rooftops. Um, and that was, uh, a brilliant day to, to 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 meet you in my working environment and be able to to show you to show somebody out there in the real world this little heaven that I was going to every day. Um, and yeah, so he's if he's a dickhead, it's because there's bits of him that are like me. <laughs> so we'll, we'll say that. <laughs> uh, are you sticking up for me, Justin? Human? 
No, no, I'm, I use it as a term of endearment. You know that, Adrian. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's one thing that it's one thing that our two countries have in common that you can tell how somebody, how much somebody likes you by the level of swear word he uses to exactly. describe the exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now that was, that was an awesome day for me as as well, Wayne. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for showing me around and uh, just being such a awesome host while I was over there um, but yeah it was just awesome to yeah like you see you in your um, in your natural habitat and uh, slice show of me heaven. have slice of heaven yeah and have like seven or ten phones lined in your pockets and uh, <laughs> pour one one by one pull them out yeah it was <laughs> it was it was just like you you work in offices all your life, uh, but this place was more like we had as much space given over to relaxing as we did to to the desks we were working at, and we, we would often go and sit in a lounge with a laptop, and and we'd be taking a meeting in a lounge, right, with a cup of tea, um, people milling about. It was it was just the most relaxing work experience. And yet you were still always busy. Um, so I, I'd say it's, it's very difficult to describe to somebody who's worked in a normal office all their life. It was, it was a, a very inspirational, relaxing place. It was a fantastically designed, weird building as well in three parts. Um, but if you got bored, when you, when you take your 10-minute break every hour from the screen, there's, all, there's all somewhere to walk, there's somewhere to go and see something. And it was just the most amazing place. I don't think, I don't think there'll be another office like it. And in fact, it's not there anymore because, uh, as, you know, as you know, Adrian, they, before they sold to Microsoft, they actually sold the building. And it's yeah. now each of those three uh segments is now a different company uh so microsoft still has one part of it and then there's two other companies in the two other buildings so it ain't there anymore it's it's gone <laughs> yeah pining <laughs> just, huh? just pining yeah off. just sad just thinking about it no. <laughs> <laughs> do people throw rocks at the glass windows at the microsoft building at all there, Wayne? <laughs> uh, what they never did while I was there, the, the, the most interesting thing that ever happened was a large elk got into the compound. Uh, elk being another word for a moose for anybody American out there. Um, and my goodness, I never realized how big those things are. It's only a deer but they're bigger than camels and their, their antlers are as wide as their bodies are long when they're at, they are huge, huge, beautiful animals. And it was just walking around the outside of the building. Amazing. The other thing that really sticks in my mind is the, is the, uh, the water, the kind of bay that you, sat behind the office with all the rich people's yachts and there's uh 
the, the Conne building next to, which is that they, everybody knows Conne, even if you'd never heard of them, you probably pronounce it Cone and you see the logo in a lift in any building in the world. But those two buildings are stood along this little bay, an inlet from the, uh, from the Baltic Sea, uh, which freezes over every winter. So we were in the Espo side of the bay and people who lived on the Helsinki side used to ski across the sea to work in the winter. Hmm. There, there is something you don't see in very many places. No, you would not, not in <laughs> Melbourne or Perth. Uh, even even here, even people complain about how cold England is, but they don't know the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Adrian, over to you, mate, with the uh, last question of the of the night. Okay, Wayne, you ready for this? <laughs> this uh, might be a I'm bit braced. difficult. <laughs> I'm braced. I'm holding tight. Okay, good, good. Top five Nokia devices of all time. Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh, stumped him already. I know he's been punched in the well, stomach. Well, that's it. Oof. The top <laughs> one, the top one has to be, a uh, has to be uh, no, I'm going to make first equal now. and they, ha they have to be we have to have the Lumia 1020 and we have to have the first of the generation, the old Symbian 808. Yes. I really could, I really <laughs> could not choose between those two. Uh, I still have an 808 now. My, my, <laughs> I still, I never use it as a phone anymore, but I still use it as a camera. Uh, so yeah, so that one, those two sit there at the top. I really cannot decide which would be first. Uh, then, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to put the real icon in there. This is the Nokia phone okay? and I won't take any argument. 3310. Oh my God, man. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, I still, I can still power mine up and it works. <clears throat> um, I also have a 5510, which is a 3310 in a bigger box. Um, but yeah, it's it's the icon. When you think of a Nokia phone, that's the one you see. Uh, so it has to be in the list. Um, then I'm going to have to go with an N95. Uh, because it was the the kind of the big break into the smartphone industry. We, we, we had the Symbian phones gradually bubbling away. But the N95 was the first one that really took off. And boy, did that create some calls when people couldn't get the jet sat nav to work. But it was generally a brilliant phone. And so number five, what are we going to put in there? I'm going to go in there with two models because they made they, they go together they're the 93 and 9500 communicators i think they were even in their in their day i don't think there's ever been anything quite like them and 
this gives me a chance to tell you this little story because uh, when when the E90 was introduced and the communicator series uh, was discontinued, we broke the Swedish ambulance network because they were using uh, Nokia communicator phones to send faxes from ambulances to hospitals to alert them of what was coming in and what needed to be prepared. And you know with anything in public service, it takes them at least a decade after the, after the private business world has updated to catch up. And when their communicator phones started dying, there was nothing else in the market that would send a fax. And literally, we, we broke the whole industry for them just by discontinuing that model. Um, so, yeah, so that was, it was an amusing story, but potentially a very dangerous one at the same time, because we broke <laughs> communication for poor Swedish people who were injured. There you go. That's so, a pretty good top five, have... Adrian. No. Yes. Yeah, what were we going to say? Sorry, Wayne. You're, sorry. You're always going to remember what? Sorry. I, I was I was just going to say that was uh, when we were getting so many calls from various parts of the world about I cannot get GPS to work in my N95. Most of the calls from Sweden were I can't send a fax anymore because this E90 thing doesn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty impressive. I, I, I was joking about the thirty three ten, but uh, yeah, that, that's a pretty impressive uh, top seven, really, isn't it, Adrian? Is it seven stages at top five. No, no, bit, uh, bit not really. Six, I think. I didn't. I didn't oh, no, put you said... the E ninety in there. No, I didn't put the E ninety no. in there. It was it was the killer. It killed off the communicators. <laughs> no, you did say the ninety three hundred and the ninety five hundred. Yeah. So there's six. So we've got 808, 1020. Yes. 1020, yeah. N95 should be four. And then those two communicators. Yeah. Okay. No Lumias. <laughs> no Lumias. No, no, no colourful Lumias. <laughs> oh, 1020, sorry. Yeah. yeah. 1020. You weren't yeah. listening, Adrian. The, the, the thing is, I, I'll tell you what, the, the, we had. Uh, when the Lumias came out with the with the version seven operating system, uh, I always used to say they were like the the first iPhones. They had so many features missing, but the difference is iPhone users never cared. Nokia users did, and it wasn't until we got the the version eight software that the Lumias really came into their own. Um, and if we'd launched, I think that was part of the reason, I think, why the 808 stayed Symbian, because there, there wasn't a good enough phone in the Windows Phone range to, to, to carry the, uh, that, that particular flagship. So, uh, so yeah, so the, the Lumias were, they were good eventually. When they, when they got the right version of the operating system, but I stayed with 
uh, with an N9 actually for a long time after the Lumias came this out. Is what I wait. This is what I've been waiting to hear, Wayne. <laughs> the N9. Justin loves his Adrian N9. Yeah, it's got to be N9's got to be in the list always, uh, Wayne. So um, he, he was probably a bit upset well, that he didn't it, include the N9. I'm seething. To me, it's it's the biggest missed opportunity. I think. Um, I think it was a, a little bit too late. Um, you know, if if the development had been further along, it could have been the step forward. But it just. When uh, when Elop took over, he wanted something right now that he could put in the shop, and the the uh, the Mego operating system was excellent, but it wasn't quite it because it was only the one model. It wasn't going to get the traction, um, and as much as I don't necessarily think that Windows Phone 7 was a good choice to go with because it had so much missing. Um, the the Microsoft name did put it in more hands, I think, than uh, the N9 was mainly a phone for the nerds and the geeks like you and I. Um, uh, it never really found its market with the ordinary businessman, the ordinary uh, guy in the street. And so if you want, if you was going to list the biggest missed opportunity, then it would have to be the N9 because it had so much potential and it did so little really. We had, we had an insight perspective from that last week. We had, sorry, when we had uh, Mark Dillon on and he, he gave us a great insight perspective on, on the development of that, of the yeah, N9. Yeah. So it was, uh, I think I still had, when I moved to Finland, I still, I was using an N8. So the N9 came next and it wasn't until the 10, sorry, the 920 came out that I actually changed my phone again. Uh, I mean, I had all of these phones lurking around my desk but it, the one i actually used every day for for an immense amount of time after it was discontinued was the n9 and i still have two of those actually I don't know which, which colors when possession of two uh they're both black because most of the ones we had internally were black oddly enough the marketing people got all the pink and blue ones and we got what was left I've got, a, I've got two blacks, but I've changed one of the housings to a white one. So I've got a black and a white pair. They were a lot rarer. Yeah, I know, I know. So I've got a blue one, but it stopped working, unfortunately. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame. I can't get over that. No. Give it the three-finger salute, Adrian. It might work. <laughs> Test my yeah, knock Nokia support discussion uh, answer from from me. <laughs> that was, well, that was um, you know, I can always remember from the call center that I used to really great with me that I used to get hear people resetting the phones because resetting the phones uh, solves the problem, 
But you lose everything. Until. Oh, you're there? Yeah, you yeah, were listening. Okay. I thought I got a blip on my screen again. I thought I cut off. Um, you know, re- people would have a problem and it was because of something they were trying to do with the phone. They'd set up the settings in this particular way or they'd installed this app. So, yeah, you reset it and the phone works fine. But then you return it to the state you had it before and you have the problem. Uh, and we did. There, there was always, as with any call center, you get people who have the enthusiasm and those who don't. And if you didn't want to deal with the problem, uh, it was sometimes just do a reset because you can't do the reset while you're on the phone, which means that somebody else gets the problem when, when you call back later. So, yeah. uh, that was one of the things that really used to wind me up is, is too much reliance on, on resetting. Solve the problem. Don't just kick it. <laughs> so. Yep. Totally agree. Um, well, yeah. could, you, could you help out Adrian with his N9 then? I've tried everything, mate. <laughs> it's uh, dead as a dodo, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I haven't. Unfortunately, I I used to have a laptop that still had all the gear on it, but that laptop died a couple of years ago. So um, I used to. I I no longer have any of the the relevant software to uh, to do those things. I think it's just personally, uh, Adrian, not charging the battery every now and again. The battery's just died. Got to keep those. It could be the fact that you live every now and again. Uh, Well, I'll tell you a story about my old HP laptop very quickly. Um, I told you it had lasted a long time. Uh, When I came back, it had a from the Philippines. Um, It had had a broken hinge that had been fixed and broken again. Uh, and the case was breaking. So I took it along to a repairer and I said to him, I'm, I know it's old, but it still works. I like it. I want it back. Um, but when he opened it up, he said, where have you been with this laptop? And I said, Philippines, why? And he said, Is it quite, it must be quite hot there, yeah? And apparently where, where the hinge had broken, there was a cable that had got pulled and it was actually fused to part of the motherboard. Hmm. So, <laughs> so, so that's, that, that's the, uh, a potential consequence of living in a place where it's 30 degrees, 24 seven is that your machine hmm. gets a bit hot. <laughs> as, it, as it would. As it would. All right, Wayne. Oh, quickly, Wayne, really actually. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, quickly, Wayne. Um, uh, Lumia, uh, favourite colour? Favourite coloured Lumia or the shells for a Lumia? If you had to pick one colour out of all of them. Because I remember you had a 620 when I met you, I think, and you... Uh, that you pulled out of your pocket. That was that's that's going to be the fella. That's going to be the fella. I uh, that was originally white, but I went out of my way to find the nice purple cover for that one. Yes, <laughs> because it was. Um, 
and for some odd reason it was like a blue lined thing with a purple outer casing so you got a around the screen you had a like a cyan blue line all around and then it was purple but that i i always liked that one because it was one of the more rarer ones i think it was only an accessory i don't think it was available in that color in a no, box no no so, no it was rare so that's that's me. the that's that's my favorite of the ones i have left and it's the one that most sticks in my mind because i spent so much time looking for it but uh, i think beyond that I think I enjoyed the, having the 1020 and the 920, which were both yellow, because everybody could see it in your hands, and everybody would then come, oh, what's that phone you've got in your hands, rather than the normal black slab? <laughs> so. Yes, true, very true. Adrian's jealous of my yellow 920. Yeah. I haven't been able to get a... Because of the glossy, the glossy finish on the yellow 920, as opposed to the matte on the 1020. I just love that, that glossy... Uh, finish on the 920, the yellow yeah. one. Yeah. So, but there's, uh, our, the, the other uh, thing, my, my 808 is white, and I always thought that was the better color for that one because the black and the red were, I don't know, the, the black looked too boring and the red was kind of, it was an odd red. It wasn't really a bright, it kind of like a, um, didn't Flat really shine up bright like you expect red, but uh, but the eight twenty the eight twenty is probably the phone that I still use most purely because of the camera in it. It's still great, and it still works exactly as it should do. <laughs> so, so, but actually, I could finish with one uh, one short story about the eight oh eight. I'm reminded when it was being developed. In Beijing, the actual uh, it was obviously designed in Finland, but the and the UK, but uh, the the development work and it was always built in Beijing. And there was a story that got back to us that uh, two guys had tried to uh, get in there and take photos to sell to the online journals. Are you still there? Yeah, we're still here, mate. Just go silent every now and then. So they'd gone to try to oh, break listening. in to, yeah, they'd gone to try to <laughs> take some pictures that they could sell, and uh, they uh, one guy stood at the door keeping guard while the other guy went in and took pictures of the the prototype eight hundred eight, and uh, uh, what they didn't realise is that both of them were being watched by CCTV. So they never got to sell the, sell the pictures because they were fired almost instantly. <laughs> so that there was an immense market in those days for, for any phone, for the latest updates. All of the different blogs and, and, and journals wanted the information and they were putting out sometimes accurate and sometimes completely wildly inaccurate uh, descriptions of new models. And uh, I think this is possibly, you know, we, you obviously had people like that in the various factories that are trying to make a bit of extra money. You know, maybe we can sell some information. But Nokia had its security uh, 
up to scratch at that point, and they were uh, they were able to catch them in the act. But it must be the most amusing thing to be stood there watching to make sure that you're not seen and not know there's a camera just above you. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> oh, so many good memories today, hey, Justin? Oh, I have really loved this episode and uh, it'd have to be a record for uh, the length as well, I'd say, wouldn't it? I think so. I think... Well, uh, Wayne's taking think, the crown here. Partly, well, I think that's partly because I was A, late and then disorganised. No, no, just uh, this has been <laughs> fantastic. So, you know how Top Gear has that uh, the leaderboard? I think you're on top. So, Adrian will uh, write your name down and slap it on the on the magnetic whiteboard. I, uh, I always did feel that in the job I had with Nokia that I was in quite a privileged position because I was kind of between the customer and the the bit of the company that was actually doing the developing of the product. So you could see both sides of that. It was a uh, it, it was a, a role where I was through necessity. I had to have immense amounts of knowledge about the products. Uh, so I had as well as the contact with all you wonderful guys out there in the real world or the real online world, I also had the, the kind of uh, the, the inner, what's the word, the kind of inner story of what was going on with, with the products as well. So, so it was a perfect job for a nerd, let's put it that way. Oh, I would have loved it. I don't know if I'd be as successful as you, but uh, I would have loved that job. Yeah. It certainly was. It was certainly like at the call center level when we were just the moderate, when I was just a moderator before I became the communicator and ended up in Finland. It was very often a looked down on thing because they, you know, the guys felt, you know, we're taking this number of calls in an hour and you're sat there clicking your mouse. Um, but I don't, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think they realized, uh, how much fun we were having just sat there looking at the screen and clicking the mouse. Um, but it's, uh, it, it was, it became one of the most valuable jobs, um, to me, simply because it it patched me into a whole different part of the customer base, and again, that community was, I'm sure you'll agree, more of a family than than just an online forum. So I'm pining again. <laughs> this is me pining. We like to pine. <laughs> we like to pine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that that's well, well put there, we Wayne. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. We, we're reconnecting uh, everybody, Wayne. So that, that's our job. Good fellas, you're doing it. So you, you, when you say you're the, the the Nokia Chronicles Australia end, so you're the only side I've ever actually noticed. So <laughs> you're obviously doing a better, a good job. <laughs> no, that's Adrian's daughter's uh, little recommendation there for. Nokia Chronicles Australia. So that's just normally Nokia Chronicles. <laughs> yeah, normally Nokia Chronicles, but uh, yeah, she wants uh, she wants the Australia 
put in there. Because uh, thanks, AJ. That's it. <laughs> Don't worry, Wayne's got Australian connections, so it's all good. It's all good, I know. especially this it's week. True. So it's very, very relevant. Well, Might go. have to ask yeah, Wayne his socials uh, before we uh, shut up shop. Oh Adrian? yes, yes. Um, you want to tell the listeners where to find you and your socials, Wayne? Well, generally, I use the fr- I use my initials W M Wayne Michael, and then my surname Spillet. Uh, w M Spillet is the is the one everywhere, pretty much. Um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter are all the same. Uh, I use I have the same login on TikTok, but I haven't actually got any content on there. But but yeah, generally I. I've got a fairly unique name and a combination of initials, and I get away with using the same thing everywhere. <laughs> Love it works. We've got to get into TikTok, Adrian. Yeah. The, the last frontier. Few. Yeah, that's it. Last frontier <laughs> for us to conquer. <laughs> but, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's YouTube for the people with short attention spans. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, we're a bit more uh, highbrow than that, aren't we, Adrian? <laughs> yes, we are. A bit more, a bit more class. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's it's what no, it's it's one of those things. That, as I say, I haven't produced any content for it, but I kind of it's it kind of draws you in. You think I'll just look at a couple, and an hour later you're thinking, oh damn, I should have been somewhere else. But there you go. <laughs> well, I've heard that about TikTok. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd like to thank Wayne Spillard again sincerely uh, this week uh, for coming on to the Nokia Chronicles and sharing with us about uh, his time at Nokia. Um, I was especially excited for this week because, you know, um, I guess not as many people have heard of the support discussions. Uh, We've all heard of uh, the folks, you know, outside. but uh, yeah, I'm really excited this week to be able to shine a light for for Wayne to shine a light onto um, yeah, what might not be as well known on the uh, Nokia side back in those days. And what a pleasure uh, yeah, Wayne's been. It's not often I hear that. There you go. Thank you very much. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. All right. Thanks again, Wayne, so much. Can you tell Can you tell my wife that she should say that as well? <laughs> Right. <laughs> what, what's your wife's name? Uh, my wife's name is G. Actually, she well, her her real name is Evangeline, but uh, but she doesn't like it, so it's just G. So. All right, G. Your husband is an absolute pleasure. There you go. <laughs> he is. He is. <laughs> okay, she's at work at the moment, but I'll make sure no. she listens to the final blog. So there you go. That's yep. <laughs> Be nice to him. Be nice to Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to at least play it to her because when she went to work this morning, uh, we were already talking. So it, you wouldn't have seen this, but there was a silent goodbye. So she was going to want to know why I wasn't focusing on her when she left work. Of course, some trouble in paradise. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week's episode, Justin. Yes, and uh, totally enjoyed uh, uh, this episode. This this season's just going from uh, 
It's strength just amazing strength, season two. It has, yeah, strength to strength. That's what I was trying to say, Adrian. It's, it's been amazing. It has. Can't wait for next week well, too. Same here. Well, it's it's been a pleasure for me too. I'll say that straight away. Oh, thanks, Wayne. No worries. Okay, we'll uh, we'll check in next week with another guest, won't we, Justin? Someone very exciting. Yes, we will. Well, they're all exciting, but uh, well, all exciting. No, seriously, yeah. yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, have a good week, everyone. All right, see you later, guys. You too. See you later.